0: This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan, in Rockefeller Center, new Stand Studios, joined as usual with John behind me. How you doing, John? Doing great, thanks. Yeah? Yeah. Can't hear you. you all right? You're on the mic? I think hey, there you go. so. Yeah, oh, there we go. There oh, we go. Oh, nice, yeah, all right. Doing well. Rocking the panels, we got Joe Hazen. How you doing? I'm doing well. Great to see you. A full-packed house. I know it. I know it. Let's do, you know what? Let's do everyone in the room first. Our special guest for today is uh, Andrea Nguyen with her new book, Evergreen Vietnamese, and plus, I, of course, am going to talk to her about her what I consider to be classic in the field, Asian tofu. Hello, Andrea. How you doing? Good. How about you? Doing quite well. And as a special secret sauce guest, we have uh, Dennis No from D'Andi. One of the, one of, you know, we did, what do we, Dennis, back in the day, I brought the spins all. Is that thing still working? It
1: is working, yes. Love
0: you. He has one in his house. In the house?
1: I have all of your products in my house, Oh, Dave. my
0: God. I pre- we appreciate it. We appreciate it. So we're going to be, I don't know what we're going to be. We're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. Maybe fish sauce. I mean, I want to say maybe. I mean, I know we're going to be talking about fish you sauce. You have to. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And in Stanford, Connecticut, we got Nastasia Lopez. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, I think. I don't know. Uh, and actually, you know what? They turned my water off today when I was in the shower. Oh. And then, and then it started dripping, and I'm like, I'm gonna get that, la- I'm gonna get those last few drips, and then it turned rust. And so I got coated in that rust water, and so when oh. I, yeah, and so when I got out of the shower, I'm like, I'm gonna use the dark blue towel, not the white one. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, that hey people, if you're ever gonna be in a bad situation, make sure you have at least one dark towel in your bathroom to you know
1: take care of yourself.
0: You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Uh, I heard Jackie Molecules, Jack Insley. How you doing?
1: I'm um, great. Still in D.C.
0: Still in D.C. Huh? No one on the West mm-hmm. Coast right now, well, except for our man, except for our man Quinn, chilling in the upper, upper, uh, upper left. How you doing?
2: I am. I, I am perpetually on the West Coast, <laughs> <laughs> just off the West Coast, like just like not, yeah. not even.
0: You know what I mean? Like ne- you know, next stop Asia, where you are, right? I mean, there's no land anywhere beyond you.
2: I mean, there is there is the west coast of the island. I could be more west.
0: I mean, by what? Asia. By what? Like five miles? Yeah, yeah, more than that. All right. Okay. All right. So uh, today, you know, now is the portion of the show where we discuss any interesting cooking. Any you know any, anyone got anyone got anything before you know? If not, I'll have to fill it in. And I want to hear other people's stories of the week. Anyone got anything fun?
1: I will quickly say that uh, I had a very, very good meal at a place called Astoria, D.C., which is uh Szechuan-based cuisine. Wait, it's called with, Astoria? Uh, cocktail permit. Yeah, I know. I do not have the backstory for you there. It's but a Sichuan joint in DC, D.C.
0: called Astoria. Yeah, that's
1: okay. correct. <laughs> okay. okay. D.C. is a weird place, man. I don't know yeah. what to say. Right. But if anybody's passing through D.C., um, I have no connection to the place. It was just really good. I was, I was impressed.
0: So. Well, what did you What did you have?
1: What did I have? I had, um, I forget what they called it. Um, th- there's like an actual Szechuan name for it, but you know the Szechuan chicken dish where it's like a mountain of basically peppers. And and like you have to kind of fish through for the little pieces of chicken. The dry fried ones. I think some menus just call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, some yeah. yeah. Just, dry, dry sometimes it's chicken just called and Sichuan and chicken.
3: But. Yeah, there's like all those chilies on top, and they're like Tianjin chilies, but they're not really hot. They're just like really pretty. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was it was very good.
0: So what is the deal with that, Andrew? Are they just like wait? Like I mean, like I like to see them and stuff, and occasionally I'll suck on them. But like, what are they actually doing?
3: You know, when Three when questions. you buy those. Chilies, Dave. They're like they come in
0: like huge quantities. It's like Costco quantities,
3: and they have mm. um, they release just a little bit of fragrant um, chili heat perfume. Mm-hmm. But you know, you're not expected to eat them.
0: I know, but like uh, I have a like a thing is that like uh, I'll just, if if it's on the t- if someone takes it away, I won't be like I was eating that. Whereas I normally, if there's anything left, I will do that. But <laughs> if it's there, I'm going to be like no, me too. I eat all my garnishes. All right, don't
3: leave that parsley spray. That's for me, you know. That's food.
0: This is why I am extraordinarily against the non-obvious, non-edible garnish. I mean, if it's like, if it's a hunk of metal, I'm not going to eat it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, you know, if you put it on the plate, well, Dave, this eat one,
1: it. this yeah. one would have driven you crazy because it also there are peanuts in this, and some of the chilies, and it was not a very well lit restaurant, okay. so some of the chilies were kind of like. Shaping almost like peanuts. Like so peanut-adjacent shape? Many times I would go for a peanut and then just bite into an empty chili shell, and uh-huh. that got frustrating. I see. Yeah. I see.
0: Well, I, you know, but the thing is I can tolerate that. That's fine. But, like, I see you, you were going for the peanut. It is disconcerting when you go for one thing and get another.
1: You know? Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Exactly.
0: Which is why... Very few restaurants can get away. Actually, it's interesting. In Evergreen, Vietnam, as you talk a lot about uh, Trumploy in in Asian cooking, but you know what's ha- going to happen beforehand. Very few restaurants can get away with serving you something where you don't, where the referent is different, without telling you in advance.
3: Right, because you know, as a diner, you're like, "What the hell am I getting?" Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and you know, the surprise isn't uh, unless you're you're really there to get kind of titillated by it, but otherwise. You know, you, you have certain expectations you got to deliver. You know, I was in D.C. last week and I had ate a, a Lao place called uh, Tip Cow. And I had oh, yeah. that place was so good. And you know what? I got this oh, inside yeah. scoop on Monday is when Chef Sang cooks. It's the only day that she cooks now. So uh, if you're in D.C., stop by there. And she has this collard leaf wrap, Peng Mian. Typically, like I've seen it with uh, wild pepper leaf. We call them uh, Lao lot in, in Vietnam, but the Lao version, they typically will wrap um, like uh, fried catfish or he or she also had um, fried tofu and herbs in um, raw collard leaves. So it's kind of bitter. And then the sauce was like fresh pineapple um, with fermented soybeans and ginger and soy sauce. It was so good. And she
0: gets her catfish fresh from the Chesapeake. Wow, with the skin on, and it yeah. it, it and it, it's good. It's a good calf. It's not like a. Yeah. mud. it's not a muddy. No. Okay. Real clean. All right. I yeah. was amazed. Yeah. Have you? I, they got rid of all the mud. That's what I'm saying. That's the thing. I I've very rarely have muddy tasting fish anymore. Whereas it used to be constantly. I would get mud. Not constantly. I mean, because I would avoid them. Yeah. <laughs> but what did they do? Did they do, like wash the mud out of the fish? I don't know. I don't know. It's the chemicals, geosmin, but I don't know what. Uh, I think it's from some bacteria that lives in the you know where they're hanging out. I don't know, but it's rarer than it used to be, don't you think? I think it's maybe because they're farm raised, hmm.
3: more like catfish. This this catfish had a little you know like a little flavor to it. Nice, all right. I also remember when catfish used to be really fatty too,
0: in a good way or a bad. In
3: way? a good way, yeah. Like Frot pan fried, it and like release all this wonderful richness.
0: You know, I need to get I need to get better with my freshwater fish game because like. I, I always gravitate towards uh, saltwater fish. You know, and I'm not saying that's a good thing, but like I've never like wrapped my head around loving carp. Carp
3: is hard to love. It's, you know, it's very firm and kind of tasteless, right? Yeah. And you well, have to really manipulate it. At its best, it's tasteless. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of chewing on kind of wet styrofoam.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. uh. uh so you mentioned the pepper leaves, which I had a question about because you have several recipes in Evergreen Vietnamese about the pepper leaves. And I feel that like there are so many different, very close. So for those of you that don't know, all of these plants are very closely related to black pepper, like same genus, different species, pepper, blah, blah, blah. And they are used all over the world, everywhere in Europe. <laughs>
3: <laughs> right, what's with that? Yeah, what's I don't,
0: that? I don't know. I don't know. Every culture except for Europe uses some variant. Maybe because they don't grow there.
3: Yeah, it's true. It's a tropical plant. It's a tropical
0: vining. Plant. Yeah, yeah. So you have the beetle leaf. I've never used. Uh, I've never used uh, the wild pepper leaf that you and ojasanta in yes. in Mexico. I mean, everyone has a variant. I tried making a drink once with the actual beetle leaf, and it tasted too much like a burning transformer. It was like you know how like when you when electronics foof. Yeah. It tastes like that. You yeah. know what I mean? So people, I liked it because I knew that that flavor was going to be there, and you could convince yourself that you like anything as long as you know what's going to happen. Remember, I was saying that before. But like other people were like, nah, man, nah. But then when I did a drink with Ojasanta, everyone loved it. Do you think that the wild pepper leaf that you're talking about would be That's good different. in a drink?
3: Yeah. Because you were using the betel leaf that is probably known in India as pan, yeah, the it's chewing just thicker, one. The, the chewing, chewing one. one, yeah, and you're not yes, you're that's a chewy, it's yeah, not yeah. a swallower, and so
0: <laughs> well, I remember I was freezing with liquid <laughs> I, I, nitrogen, breaking right, it up, and right. yeah. yeah. So
3: the thing with the wild pepper leaf, um, it's oftentimes referred to as a wild betel leaf, but then people get confused with the chewing one, yeah. So I call it wild pepper leaf because in Vietnamese we call it la lot. And it's a thinner leaf. And when it's heated up, it releases this incense-like fragrance that is so darn charming and um, just intoxicating. And so if you heat that up somehow and add it to your drink, man, you're golden.
0: What does it taste like before you heat it?
3: It has a very mild flavor. You can chew it when it's raw. And I think that your saliva and the heat in your mouth will trigger certain um, oils to release. Hmm. But but it really exhibits um, its its beauty once that it's heated up
0: huh, i'm gonna try it nitro model and then see because normally i do everything i can to not heat, heat heat yeah right but this you're saying i should heat it to get the. i gotta do some tests you do would it be also be good in beans the way that Ojasante is even though it's a different flavor
3: as a finishing i was at it at it. A- it as a finisher yeah yeah because it it's really going to react to heat but you know like a lot of those kinds of herbs oh has is like a big thicker leaf they're you big know? yeah but yeah.
0: They, they, they're they thicker but it tears quite easily it's not like uh it doesn't have that kind of glossy like maybe i'm going to cut my mouth situation that like beetle leaf like Pond has yeah you know what yeah I mean?
3: yeah pawn is is like it's, it's not, not a, pleasant no you feel like you can probably stitch it together for an outfit yeah, know, yeah, it's, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 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 um but oh is fleshy
0: yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, I love it. Yeah. I love a La Santa, but um, yeah, well, whatever. I, if I ever have a place again, I'll, I'll work on it. You know what, my favorite herb to do now, and I got to find a source because I have a plot now. I'm a member of a community garden now. And uh, although I don't have a lot of light, I want to do scented geraniums.
3: Ooh, yeah. Yeah. yeah rose, rose geranium, yeah. all the different kinds. Yeah. yeah.
0: That would, that releases that's perfume so beautifully. No heat needed. Yeah. And some of them are, some of them can go a little bit on the detergent side.
3: Yeah, you start thinking of like grandma's wallpaper.
0: Yeah, yeah, but some of them aren't, right? Some of the, so you need to catch just the right one. So I'm going to ask my farmer supplier if he'll give me some to plant. You think he, he, I buy his stuff. He won't, why wouldn't he? Yeah, just give a little cutting or whatever. It's a little starter plant. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm still going to buy from him.
3: Yeah, but you you need a little
0: secret, you know, back, back, back window consultation on which one would work. And I don't think the local weirdos, it would pick it from the community garden. I don't think they would steal it. No. If I planted something that they could see, they would steal it. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? <laughs> they would steal it. That's so New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, you know how New York is. Uh, so my crazy uh, culinary thing this week was, uh, so I do Sunday family dinner, right? And I thought it was going to be, I don't know what I thought. I decided to do whole fish. So back in the day, back I used to have a commercial deep fryer home right and you know 40 pounder and one of my things i would do my stepfather would catch these like you know 36 40 inch striped bass right and i would i would uh put you know butcher's twine through the tail and i would tie it to the mouth real tight like a like a u and then i would low temp it at like 57 celsius which is 135 until the inside got to be hours because it's so big you know what i mean then i uh until it got to about 52 on the inside pull it you know, fin sticking up, all that stuff, like starch coat it and then deep fry the whole thing. You know, always stuffed with lime, cilantro, garlic. Uh, I always do lime, cilantro, garlic, sometimes orange, uh, onion, you know, stuff it in and some parsley so that it gets the aroma when it's low temping, you know, and, and salt and pepper. So, because the, the aroma goes through the whole fish when you steam it, right? Right. Anywho, you wouldn't think it did because you wouldn't think it does because that's the kind of thing where. You're like, oh, that stuff's just vestigial. You're just making you feel good. But no, when you're when you're low temping or steaming the fish, that stuff really permeates the flesh, makes it better. Anyway, you deep fry the whole thing and it comes out, and you have this giant fish that can feed like twenty people, which is amazing, awesome. But anyway, I don't have that deep fryer anymore, so I got like a whole bunch of Bronzino, Right at like, I went to the you know my local market down on um, in Chinatown, and I got like, I was like, give me five because I twelve people are coming over. Well, this this one. Yeah. Oh, man. Five. That's, I had 12 people. That's
3: like Grandpa Branzino. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I know. Well, you know, whatever. But they were a good price, and the eyes were clear, and— You got lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I looked at them. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, like, they looked back at you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, you know how you when they get all sunk in the dry eye and like the—yeah, yeah. yeah uh, anyway, so they, I was like, okay, this is going to work. So I get them, and the, here's my first mistake. Uh, the guy says, do you want me to clean them? And I only have—I don't have that much time, right? So I'm like, sure, sure, clean them. So I don't have to, Every, not one, not two, not three, not four, pop five, popped all five of the little, like, bile sack things. Oh, all five. Oh, no. And left that yellow garbage. The bitter. That bitter, stinking. Yucky, yucky, yucky. Smelly stain on the end. Every single time. It's like the guy was like, F this dude, and just stabbed the sack on every single fish. I was like, son of so, like, then, like, obviously not. And so, once, once I saw that, I was like, I'm going to have to do some trimming anyway. And plus, they left so much blood along the back. Oh. So, you know, I take, I score the thing and I take my, I have a little nylon brush. I'm like, to go to the, you know, to go to the, whatever, the, the spine, right? Yeah. And then I was like, I have a bunch of kids coming over. Everyone's going to complain about the bones. You know how everyone complains about the bones at a whole thing? Everybody. So, I, I think I have the good compromise. You ready for it? Ready for the compromise? Okay. All right. So, you hold the fish open and then I cut, I cut. A, like the rib cage thing along the backbone and then just rip just the rib cage bones out because the backbone one once it's cooked is not a problem yeah it's like easy removal kind of like Picasso-y yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's the rib cage bones that mess everyone up you know what I'm saying yeah. I think this is the compromise and to tell them you know if you want the fin meat which is clearly the best meat okay cheek 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 but like fin meat is good too because it's the fatty around it right? right pull the fin off and suck on it don't be a jerk Don't 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 come to me and say that you took a fin and got bones and got mad at me right yeah
3: but I mean those those rib bones man those are like tiny thin little bones and people like well they're afraid of choking on them.
0: Yeah and yeah you've got yeah. You kids yeah. like choking hazard. Yeah, but and they, you they, don't
3: want them to come over
0: to your house and go I want to Dave Arnold's home and then like they cho- he choked my kids. I mean they're not babies anyway. So like uh anyway anyway anyway. So I realize at this point that I can't fit this many I that in my I have an ANOVA, which I was going to use to low temp it, right? I was like, oh my God, I have to put, and I turned them into C shapes, you know. I was like, these are gonna have to go in two layers. I can't cook, I can't fit five on one pan in this oven. Right. So I was like, oh man, this is two layers. And then I was like, because my plan was low temp it and then throw it into the Breville, air air fry it to crisp it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was the plan. Simple, right? I was like, oh my God, it's not gonna work because I don't want to have to air fry in two rounds because it'll take too long. And, and the
3: first one will kind of be sad by the time the second one. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And so I was like, oh, my God, I'm hosed. I'm hosed. Because you can't air fry in two layers. You know what I mean? Yep. So I was like, oh, my God. So here's what I did. I have one of those little crappy plug-in-the-wall-now deep fryers now. But they're not crappy. They're crappy, though. And, like, it doesn't have enough power, right? So I was like, I was like okay, 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 okay. <clears throat> I'm going to stick the deep fryer on top of my induction burner. And I'm going to use the induction burner and the deep fryer. Right to, to, to make sure it has enough power so that I can do fish, 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 fish.
3: Fast, fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Anyway, turns out that like the way they design it, you can't make the induction burner, unless I cut the deep fryer apart, which I should have done in retrospect. You can't make the, because the, these cheap um, deep fryers, they're basically just third pans. They're enameled third right, pans. Right, right, and it, right. With, with and, right, with a thing you stick in it. But I couldn't touch the induction, so I couldn't make it go. I was like, <"S-> so, I mean, son of a gun. Anyway, so then I stick it on my gas burner. Right, right, and everyone in the house is like, "I didn't tell my wife." Everyone was like, "Who was in the kitchen with me?" Was like, "You are making a mistake," and I'm like, "Let's find out." And so, like, I used the gas burner and the thing and the oil temperature. I my recovery was amazing. That deep fryer is never coming back from what I did to it. I was like, at, through the third fish, I was temping and everything was good. Through at the around the third fish, I started smelling the plastic. Oh man, oh! I have a hood on everything. They weren't smelling it over where they were eating, but I could smell the plastic. I knew that it was probably. Your fry
3: daddy days were numbered. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, finally the next day when I looked at it, I had melted the entire back out of the, it thankfully didn't meld with my stove. It, like I was able to pop it off of my stove. But yeah, that wow. thing is gone. So I need to, I'm going to modify a deep fryer to use two circuits instead of trying to heat it. Don't, don't put your electric heat, uh, uh, your electric deep fryer on a gas element. Just don't do it.
3: I, I, well, you know, you've tried it, you've been there, yeah. you have recovered. Yeah. You didn't burn down the house.
0: Fish was delicious though. Yeah.
3: I mean, you want that really fast, like yeah. plunge yeah. action. You know, did you score the fish?
0: Or no. you just like no because it's, it's no no yeah I'm not because it's all cooked already yeah right oh, right, yeah, right right yeah, right, yeah. right 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 yeah but right. yeah if I was gonna do it from z- from zero yeah 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 it's it. just
3: cornstarch your cornstarch and rice flour or anything you know, I didn't
0: have any cornstarch so I used arrowroot which wasn't as crispy but it was it was fine yeah. I have a for some reason I have a boat ton of arrowroot in my house I do too I Why I you use re- it for
3: I I don't know I think mine's like fifteen years old yes. you know like sometimes you buy things and yeah. you just go yeah I'm gonna use it sometime.
0: Yeah, it was like it was like it was like a small thing of arrowroot was like five dollars and five pounds was like ten dollars. I'm like, oh, I'll take the five pounds. Yeah, because I got some use for it. Yeah, Pay no. for mache someday. I don't know. No, know. I mean, like you know, there was a time, you know, when we were kids. Arrowroot was like, ooh, you had like a small spice jar of arrowroot and you used it for your fancy thickening. But now nobody cares about arrowroot. No,
3: no, exactly. Yeah. You know, arrowroot's like, and like kudzu was like sexy. Oh, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of chefs still like the kudzu. Yeah. I
3: don't use it, though. I don't either. I have, I have some of that, too. Yeah. The arrowroot, yeah, I've got like bags of it, little yeah. boxes of it. And I just, I just look at it every once in a while in my pantry.
0: Yeah, um, uh, but
3: so you used it, and it was just—it is—it's not as hard as cornstarch is in terms of frying. You notice that? Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, and you for this application, you want hard. You want hard. You want that yeah. really hard texture. And and some chefs have been Asian chefs have been telling me, oh, you
0: know what I do? I coat my tofu with cornstarch and rice flour. Yeah, yeah. And you like you you're like? And you did you test it? What do you think?
3: I I like it, but you know you have to consider which kind of rice flour you're using, like. A coarse grind kind of bob 's red mill that is dry dry ground you know um, stone ground or a much finer Asian rice flour that 's been soaked in water and then the grains have been soaked in water and then ground and then it 's really much more powdery so well, so if you want like a crisper finish i would I would go with with the bobs even try like brown rice flour which sometimes can be you know it 's going to be a little even harder yeah. than white rice. As flour. long as it's not gritty. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know the only
0: thing about the wet ground, here's the issue like, terminology is so crap, right? So, like, wet grind to me is like close to starch. You know what I mean? In, mm-hmm. in, in the way that starch doesn't have damaged starch in it, right? Right. Because it's not damaged, it's wet ground, right? And so, like, this is a problem, like, in, in Europe, not in, I don't know, all of Europe, in UK, apparently. If you ask for, if you want cornstarch, you ask for corn flour. And I'm like, no, they are different. They are different. They are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because one, you grind up corn. And when you grind up the corn, you break some of the starch. And so that broken starch absorbs water and it holds water differently than cornstarch does. Because cornstarch doesn't hold water unless, you know, you know, unless you.
3: Yeah, it's. it's, Heat it.
0: You know what I mean? Like, anywho.
3: Yeah, no, I. Well, I know the wet mill thing because it. Because in certain parts of Asia, you, you traditionally you would go to the market and you would buy a um, rice flour that was already like hydrated. But it was hydrated because the miller soaked the rice, then um, grounded it so that it was already like this paste for you to take home and use it for dumplings or different kinds of, of um, cakes and stuff. So you get sticky rice um, paste or a, a regular rice paste. Um, and so that's where that comes from because it's already hydrated and it's much finer texture than if you were to go straight from like just grinding raw grains of rice. And, um, so that's, you know, there's a difference between those two. You just have to choose and, and play with it.
0: You know what I used to hate about rice flour You know, is, uh, I could never remember whether it was the green bag or the oh, red bag. I know, I know. I've I've bought the wrong ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I even
3: like bought the wrong like twenty pound bags yeah, of yeah. rice and gotten like oh my god I have a twenty pound bag of sticky rice now forever. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I'll be like but like it went back when I used to teach at the French culinary. I'd be like get the I'd be like don't get the glutinous one. I don't want the glutinous one. They're like green or red, green or red. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I know, but, but don't you read like three or four languages because those bags <laughs> are printed in Thai, Vietnamese,
3: Chinese, and English.
0: Hello. <laughs> well, as long as we're on rice, let's talk rice because uh, Evergreen Vietnamese has a bunch of interesting rice hacks in it. Like, uh, first of all, how about this? Uh, what's, the, what's the Vietnamese word uh, that's uh, similar to kanji again? dao? Yeah. Yeah. Explain to me, first of all, difference, Vietnamese style and like the Chinese style, and then your blender hack.
3: Oh. <laughs> so, so Vietnamese style uh, congee or porridge, um, we call it dào. And the thing is that so much of what I see out there in congee is really thick and practically gluey. But in Vietnamese fashion, it can be kind of almost, it can be any texture you want. It'd be kind of thin, if you like, with a good um, broth. And so there are different ways of making it. You can use um, broken rice. You can use leftover rice. You can use sticky rice. And so my hack stems from the fact that I'm lazy. I don't plan ahead.
0: Uh, I like laziness. Laziness with a good result is the best result.
3: Yeah. So then in the morning, I'm going to like bring a pot of water or broth. Broth is much better than water. um, To a boil. I throw some rice in there. I let it really like the grains plump up. And then I'm going to turn the heat off and put the lid on it, and I walk away, and I do, like, nothing to it. And it's hydrating very slowly, just like your fish, yeah. right? I mean, like, time is cooking, and you just let Mother Nature just do her thing, and at the end of the line, you just stick a blend, a hand blender in there or stick it in the blender, whirl it up to break up the grains, and then reheat and the starches bloom. I bet your a hand blender
0: is better because it lets you control more.
3: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it looks like at the end, it kind of looks a little um, barfy, you know?
0: Right. But, but well, be you, patient, right? That's what you say. You, very in the book, you're like, "Don't worry, it yeah. will look bad right now."
3: Yeah, and you know that's in recipe writing. Sometimes it's so romantic, right? It's like, "Oh, you're nearly there. It's so beautiful." And I'm like, "No, it's not there yet. Don't worry," because I'm looking at the pot too, going, "Oh my god, how do I convince people that you know they're not <laughs> like going down the path to ruin with this with this kanji?" But then you can add different kinds of grains to it, and then by the time you're ready for lunch, you know you reheat it and you add whatever
0: leftovers you got, and then you've got chow you got but you say it looks normal once you reheat it. Yeah,
3: because the the starches bloom and they express themselves, the rice grains, you know, whatever grains you got, and and it thickens. Yeah. And then you can like, you know, the thing is that so many people, I remember one recipe tester who's white and she said to me, I've been to, you know, I've eaten a lot of, of congee and it's always thick. I'm like, but lady, you know what? They're like different <laughs> textures, just like you can have polenta at different textures, you know, um, and risotto too. So there, you really have to decide what you want for your, for
0: your porridge. P.S. My favorite polenta is Scrapple.
3: Oh. Yeah. That's, that's polenta with life.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. Um, all right. So a couple of things. One, you wrote a whole book on— I mean, at the end, you have, you have some recipes. If, if you hate plants, there are some recipes in here, But right? You have a couple of recipes that are, you know— that's but neat. Right, but the whole idea is taking kind of your mindset and view and moving it towards a plant-based, uh, like writing a plant-based book. And uh, we, we can talk about it in a minute, but here's what's interesting. You wrote in, was this, 2012? You wrote the only, n- like, readable book <laughs> on how to make, to- I love Shirtley's book, right, but that's more of like a, Social mission, yes, with some recipes. You know what I mean, yeah. and like some like all this kind of stuff. But Asian tofu was kind of like when that came out. It's like oh, finally there's a book people can read on how to make and use uh, all different styles of tofu, and uh, including for the first time actually explaining. How different coagulants work, as opposed to just mentioning what they were. It used to be hard before this book came out. When I was, you know, first doing tofu stuff, I stayed. On, even though Epsom salts is not your favorite, it's your third favorite. That's the one that I. Oh wow! Beca- because I could buy it at the right Aid. Right. And there was no one. There wasn't anyone on the internet yet. All I had was Shirtley's book. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And Nagari. I know? tried to get it once, but it was not. It was not the liquid. I couldn't get the ratios right. It was just a solid salt. It didn't work. I don't. And the person at the store, like Sun, whatever it is, um,
3: uh, or sun, sun, Oh, uh, oh, right, the Japanese, the, the uh, second
0: story, yes. yeah, 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 the one you know near Astro Place. Yes. Anyway, uh, so this is like whatever. This is like you know ninety nine two thousand something like this. You know what I mean? Like there was not a lot of information, mm-hmm. and so I was able to get it to work properly with epsom salt. And so I just stayed with it. Even though it's you say it, it's grey it's it's,
3: granies. It is. It's grainy. A, gra- a grainy tofu results. But yeah. if you've you've got um you know gypsum or nagari or even blending them nowadays too. Really?
0: You're then, not a GDL person?
3: You know, a GDL man it's like
0: jello tofu. Oh. Yeah,
3: but it certainly works every single you're like, time. You are like it's fine if you're a weasel. Is yeah. that what you're saying? I mean, you know like, you know, box tofu like that I call that survival tofu. Oh, wow. I mean the last day end of days
0: tofu. <laughs> so I have to say like I th- I feel like everyone should make tofu at least four times. Why four? Because by the time they get to the fourth time they'll have figured out that they either didn't press it hard enough or the first time maybe they'll mess up the coagulation. The second time when they get it right uh, th- they're going to start getting better with the cleanup, and so they won't worry about it a- as much. And they're going to figure out that they didn't press it enough; they press it too much. Third time, like they're just feeling. And the fourth time, they can actually do it. Yeah. That's what I think my yeah. feeling. That's my feeling.
3: But don't you don't you think there's like that magic the first time you you go from beans to curd, and you're like, oh my god, I just made tofu. If it works, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't think I could do it the first time, and I I was like using Shirtlift's book. And yes. I interviewed him for this book too, and he was very, very helpful. But he was like on a mission. He was yeah, yeah. very dogmatic, yeah. very much returning to you know the the earth kind of thing. He's a different. Um, he's
0: a different person.
3: Yeah, he yeah. is. He yeah. is, and he's still like on its mission to get people to eat more soybeans. Soybeans are, are his thing. Um, but I was just amazed. I just like went to my health food store whatever soybeans I had, they had, oh, yeah. coagulated it with, I, th- I think I got my uh, gypsum from like, I mail ordered it or from a lo- local uh, brew place.
0: Yeah. The picture in here is like the, I forget the name, it's like L.D. Carlson or whatever. It's the yeah. home brewer supply.
3: Yeah. Because uh, I wanted to show people like, you could just like go buy this stuff and then make tofu. Yeah. Epsom salt, But I tried Epsom salts first too. And then it, it was like great. Yeah. I thought, you know, what is it that people are using to make tofu? Because it's just like
0: two ingredients coagulant, and beans. But also, your book, Shirley's book does not go into different richnesses for different applications. Yes. So, like, the first time I made Yuba delicious. First of all, that's something maybe you make twice because it's incredibly delicious and will give you an amazing appreciation for Yuba and then find a fresh Yuba shop. <laughs> <laughs> Buy it because it is so labor intensive. Yeah. yeah. Do you like the red ones that come out later? The late, the late you know how like do you pull out? the Yes. W- and li- it's like all kind
3: of crunch at the yeah, bottom of yeah, the pan. I like it. Yeah, me too. I,
0: the, we, the, here's why you should make Yuba. Because you can see the difference from the beginning of the batch to the end of the batch. You get an appreciation for it. But whenever I make a fresh tofu or a Yuba product, I end up not doing—if I'm going to do a recipe, I buy the tofu. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. No, I mean, like, when you're going to make fresh tofu, you just want to eat it with some good soy sauce and ginger.
0: You know, it's like
3: making fresh cheese and drizzling, like, olive oil and some good salt on it.
0: Yeah. I also never soak it when I make it. I just press it, serve it. Press serve. So yeah. it has all of the, nut has been washed out. It's right, like So
3: we can talk about draining. It, people are so like, into, I've got to drain
0: tofu because
3: otherwise it's just going to like, you know, fall apart and I'm going to be awful. But tofu has its tenderness and you want it to express itself because t- be of that tenderness. And if you press the damn thing to death, it's like eating overcooked chicken breasts or
0: pork loin. Right, right. I mean, it has its place in recipes, pressed tofu. And, yes. you know, anyway. Reason I bring all this up aside from the fact that I'm a fan of the book and I'm glad you wrote it, is that you wrote this book on plant-based, and not once did you even mention that you wrote a book on how to make tofu.
3: <laughs> well, I know, because I don't know. You know, it's like cause I don't want people to think like you have to make tofu to make any of those dishes. And in, in Evergreen Vietnamese, like tofu is the star protein. And I was so happy. To do that and to use it in all these different guises. And I had like a little mission, you know, people can use like regular tofu that they can get at like Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, you know, um, Costco. But I, I wanted to push people to using fermented tofu, which I think is like next level
0: tofu. You don't like the one with the chili? For your recipes. I
3: don't, because the one with the chili, is mean, it's already manipulated for you, and I love the fresh taste of chili, you know, versus stuff that's already in the brine. I don't know what they're using, mm. and different brands are going to vary, you know, but when you buy fermented tofu, um, please, like, look, uh, I, I really love the Taiwanese brands. I think that they're more elegant. Um, they have a, a really mellow, mellow flavor.
0: Some of the brands from other parts of Asia can be just a little too intense. Well, they're so different, though. They are. Right, like... Like the stuff that you get on the well, it's different. I know the ones that are like fermented in big chunks and fried are different from the ones you get in the jars. But um, yeah,
3: but I only learned that because I researched Asian tofu and I went, you know, on tofu
0: explorations, you know, tofu tourism. Kind of <laughs> tofu tourism. <laughs> well, you use the fermented tofu a lot in this as like a, almost like a. Like a cheese substitute in, in yeah. that you did a, a water spinach with fermented tofu right. that's like classic. cream sauce. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And then there's also this um this dip that I make, this sauce um uh, with lemongrass and chili oh, yeah, and yeah. lime juice. And that's great for coup de You can also like drizzle that on um uh grilled romaine and top it with fried shallot as a salad. You could even like put it on
0: rice. You really think the fried shallot have to make it fresh, huh?
3: Come on. Just on that one. Not every and on the Sometimes, yeah.
0: yeah. All right.
3: Just, but you don't always have to. You can buy it, okay?
0: Uh, well, you're very, like, uh, what's it called? You're uh, forgiving.
3: I am a practical purist. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
3: All right. <laughs> I know my limits. I know
0: home cook's limits. Speaking of fermented tofu, that's the one recipe in the tofu book that makes me a little nervous. Growing mold? Well, because, <laughs> uh, listen, someday we'll have... Uh, you? I mean, I get nervous. Like, I would eat almost anything. I'll do anything to myself. You know what I'm I know. saying? Yeah, but for others? Yeah, it yeah. just makes me nervous if it's not inoculated with something that I know what it is. It just makes me nervous. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? and
3: here for fermented tofu, I'm like, let's let it sit out and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, stuff might happen to the wrap over the top. Don't worry Don't about worry. it. Don't worry. You'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've tested it on myself. And I'm sure I'm sure you will be, but that's the one that makes
3: me... <laughs> because like bit- the, the, the alcohol, you know, the liquor's going to like kill... And yeah. later on.
0: Yeah. And salt too. There's yeah. plenty yeah. of salt yeah. in there. Uh hey, another one uh interesting, going back to the tofu, I think that's in this book and not this book, my mind gets confused because I was skimming back through this again before I came on today. And when you're when you're smoking the pressed tofu, you put sugar in with the tea. What is the sugar doing there? Is it is it add like that kind of burnt scorchy yeah, flavor? Kind of caramely. Yeah?
3: Because tea, you know, when it when it uh because the tea that I call for is I think lapsang souchong, so yeah, it's yeah. got the smokiness. No, but hard, I yeah. wanted a little bit of that caramely quality, uh-huh. just and it doesn't smoke for that long, so you really got a narrow window of time mm. to like really you know inject power into the tofu. And that's like pressed tofu, so it's like really dense. And the thing is nowadays when you go to buy tofu at a regular supermarket, that super firm tofu that is sold in vacuum sealed packages, that's the equivalent of pressed tofu. Um, it's not as as silky textured as what you would get in an Asian market. But you can, you know, tinker around with with all those um, dishes that call for pressed tofu or you're making baked tofu. You can use super firm um, as as a sub. But yeah, that that's what the sugar is there for. Sugar is kind of like a nice thing to play with, you know? I mean, it's, it's like no. such an evil nowadays. I just... Hey, man.
0: You know, uh, well, speaking of uh, evil and, and health, did you want to go through why you wrote this book or are you sick of talking about that? We can no, talk about no. Other-
3: I mean, I think... Dave, you and I are around the same age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> things happen to our bodies when we uh, head into our 50s. And um, so around 2019, I had um, some health problems that um, didn't require surgery, thank goodness. But um, I realized that I had just been eating and drinking a lot of stuff that I shouldn't. Um, it was work-related. You know, we're, we work in food and we're, we're curious people and we combine a lot of weird things in our bodies. And um, to just kind of tweak my diet i double down on vegetables but the thing is that i'm a rule breaker i can't stick to like one diet i'm i can't be paleo i can't and then like mediterranean's great but i'm asian so it doesn't quite work with 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 my culture (laughs) but i like plants right and um and i realized that if i just ate more vegetables and built my food my my food choices around that and ate low meat i'm not going to give up meat altogether because i think meat has its place Mm. um but once I started playing with vegetables and redoing some of my favorite Vietnamese dishes, I was like, vegetables are extra cool. They have personality. You know, mushrooms squeak. They do. They do. They do. And we don't chiton. talk about it.
0: Yeah, chitin. Chit-
3: yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and, and they ha- they're beautiful. Carrots have different colors and, and their flavors, you know, reflect their colors, you know. And, and so I thought, I'm just going to write this book about vegetables. And I, my health was getting better. I go and I talk to my mom, who's like back then 87, and she goes, Oh, I'm so glad that you're, you know, if you reawaken and refreshed yourself, child, I'm so happy for you. Um, and I said, But, you know, I did it by eating a lot more plants, mom. And she's like, Ah, we used to do that in Vietnam. And her thing was just telling me that our diet had changed when we came to America. And that happens to a lot of immigrant communities. You know, this country is a land of, of, um, of opportunities to, to indulge and to eat lavishly. And part of that is eating a lot of
0: meat. We have, inexpensive, we have inexpensive meat. We do. I mean, inexpensive relative to where, what it should cost.
3: Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, we were eating a lot more animal protein. And she revealed to me that even when she had like a dish in Vietnam that was like a stir fry, we had a family of a household of eight people. She would call um, for
0: 300 grams of protein for eight people. It's
3: 10 ounces.
0: Yeah. That's more of a seasoning at that point. Like yeah. Like seasoning meat. Like, when, yeah. like when, when I graduated college, you're like, you get you buy one thing of bacon and you make it last all week by adding a little bit to every dish.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that was like how we ate all the time. Or if she had like a little soup or something, she would call for a hundred grams and she had it dialed down to the grams. And at that point I realized that, you know, I was returning to my food roots and um so so this book the name of it really is about the enduring aspects the evergreen ideas of Vietnamese food and it's rooted in in plants so you know like what are your what are your perspectives on the term plant-based Dave because I you know you're you're a thinker of, of, from many different angles what does uh, that mean
1: to you
0: I okay so what I appreciate about you and your book is your Dogmatically non-dogmatic, right? So it's not – you're not trying to make somebody else feel bad. My issue – I mean everything is eventually plant-based, right? I eat plant-based pig because that's what the pig ate. But yes. you know what I mean? Uh, but, uh, I don't know where I am at. it. I try to avoid anything that tries to make somebody else feel bad for their choices. And so when I, – I dislike – that's why I dislike the word clean because the opposite of clean is dirty. So yeah. that means I eat clean, you eat dirty. And it's a moralistic thing, to, and I don't like it. But plant-based isn't like that. So plant-based can, can be neutral. So when it's used in a neutral way, I think it's great. When it's used in a way to kind of beat down or look down on other people and the choices they have to make in their life, then I, I, I have a problem. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's my—that's yeah. where I am.
3: No, I am the same way because it's, you know, we're all—we all come from agrarian societies, and plant-based means putting
0: plants first.
3: And and vegetables deserve to be loved by everyone, not just vegans.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking of vegans, though, what I think is interesting, even though all throughout it, you're like, you could put in chicken. You could put chicken into this or yeah. beef. You also go through great lengths to make vegan versions of everything, including, and Dennis, you better get in on this. I'm going to get bent. Uh, fish sauce. Oh, yeah. All vegan, right. vegan nook mắm. Yeah. So, I didn't even know. First of all, have you guys tried, uh, it's not fish sauce, even though they say it's, it's not a replacement for fish, fish sauce, and it's not a replacement for soy, but have you guys tried the yandu? Mm. I have heard about it.
3: Yeah. I was going to bring right some,
0: <laughs> and I forgot. I don't know where they make it, but it is delicious. I'll say this. It's especially delicious in Western dishes where you want to pop the umami you don't necessarily want to add MSG because MSG, even though we we could talk about that too, it's more difficult to dose MSG, right? Yandu has flavors other than the other than the fact that it's got a lot of free uh, glutamate in it, but it doses like soy, or it doses it doses I would say like soy. It, it's uh it takes a heavier dose than fish sauce. It doses like soy, uh like light soy, right? And um, but when you add it. It adds those things that you like without the characteristic notes of those cuisines. So it's more of a secret. It's adaptive. Yeah, it's secret. So you can add it to like a Western soup, and it's not like, yeah, it's not like you have another thing that's like that is uh, have you ever had the the Japanese Ayu fish sauce? The, the, the sweet sweetwater the sweet fish, the Ayu. It's a it's a new no. it's new, newish meaning twenty years old but it's not like traditional product but
3: it's it's a type of shotsuru, the Japanese uh, fish sauce
0: it's uh, yeah it's but it's it's like I say it's new it's not like it's not like it's f- I think from further south in Japan it's not it's not from uh, Ishikawa uh-huh. uh, it's uh it, it, I love Ishiri but but this, this is different but it also you can use it in Western dishes without. Feeling like you've pushed it in the direction of of a Japanese product, or you know, whoever, whichever product you're using, right? Um, so I think it's really interesting. You should try it. I, I, I was going to bring it, but like they turned my water off. Like I told you, that they turned my water off. So my whole mind was thrown into a whole. I was going to take a little yandu and bring it and see see what you thought because you say that the commercial vegan uh, Vietnamese vegan fish sauces you don't really like very much.
3: They have a chemically quality. I mean, they're they're. Um They're convenient, but, you know, they're hard to get for people who are looking for a vegan fish sauce that's good. There are commercial vegan fish sauces sold at like health food stores. And honestly, they don't taste very good. They're very bland. Mm -hmm. And um, they're going to dose like a super low sodium uh, soy sauce. And I don't know about you, but I'm always like taking my uh, sodium count. assessing them when i'm matching condiments because that's really where you know when you're looking at those numbers then you can really assess like how much you need to dose right and um so with the uh vegan fish sauces that were coming out of vietnam they're hard to obtain they're not always readily available for people so i was like can i reverse engineer this with with accessible ingredients and have people make it at home and like hell yeah You can, and it's so damn fun, because then you're, like, understanding how you're building that scaffolding of flavors. And wonderfully enough, like, canned pineapple juice is part of that.
0: Right. Um, What do you think? It's just bringing, like, a sweetness to it, or what? A
3: sweetness, a slightly um, strangely fermenty aspect. It was, like, the weirdest. This kind of round—because in Vietnamese, like, um, the term for savoriness is dum da, which means, like, profound— and then um, even like like and glutamate, the term for it is botnok, which is sweet powder. So my understanding of umami is really something that is profoundly savory sweet. And so using the pineapple um, juice kind of gets me into that zone. And then there is seaweed involved in there because I wanted to inject the... Um, the piscine quality, like there are a lot of.
0: Did you of, triple seaweed that one or double seaweed? Double seaweed did it? it,
3: and then uh, you're gonna need a little bit of. Um, I use Marmite in there for that kind of you know yeast extract, baby.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Joe Hazen's uh, co-signing on the on the on the Marmite. Yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. then you need a flavor enhancer because uh, you have salt in there, but the salt gets to a certain salinity level, and then the crystallization happens. And then you want to just send it over the top. And I'm into flavor enhancers. And I do agree with you. Dosing with MSG, if you've not used it um, a lot in your life, is tricky.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You go a little bit, you're like, it's a little under, it's a little under. And then when you go over, it's very clearly msg
3: Yes, and it tastes like it. So whatever the Umami Institute people have told us, like, MSG has no flavor, it has a flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you want to combine it, though. So, see, I'm always, like, using MSG with uh, other—with salt or with soy sauce or with fish sauce. Because the MSG is just there to nudge. It's not there to define flavor. What if
0: you added it to your sesame salt sugar? Oh, damn. Yeah. That was a good idea. Yeah. Hey, John, she, she grinds up the sesame salt and sugar into a powder.
3: Yeah. And it becomes this magical little condiment you just sprinkle on things. And um, it's something that Buddhist uh, people love, but also my family's Catholic. And my parents grew up with having a little jar of that in their homes. And um, we would add it just to a little rice. You know, it's kind of like furikake, sort of, but, you know, without.
0: But finer, right? Finer, much finer. And even the nori, you make a nori dust, it seems like it's finer.
3: It is. It is. The nori dust looks like uh, graphite it's just really beautiful and I use that to replace uh, dry shrimp sometimes how much of a mess is it you know you gotta like back off and 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 turn away it's just like let let the blender rest for
0: a while speaking of mess what is your kitchen made out of you have a recipe and you're like you could use you could use dried turmeric or you could grate a bunch of turmeric and you're and like what does your kitchen look like oh my god like I'm so frightened of turmeric fresh turmeric I love it I'm so frightened of it do you have a te- technique that not ruin everything you own
3: you know i uh i i protect my counters they're white yeah oh my god <laughs> but but you know what you gotta like attack i gotta lean in you know to like really clean that turmeric off but i just am very careful uh-huh. and i just use a little bit at a time and even you know turmeric like ground turmeric some of the beautiful turmeric's um that we're getting from overseas from places like burlap and barrel and Diasporico. Um, they're like super strong and a little bit of it, man, you know, all of a sudden your, your counter's stained, but barkeeper's friend is a yeah. wonder and, and soft scrub.
0: Okay. When you were at the market and you know how sometimes you'll see, you'll see the turmeric and it, it'll be kind of, it'll be kind of like not really orange. Yeah. You. Would you rather have ground at that point or would you, or do you think the, the, I always like the color. I I love the color in like drinks and stuff. But do you think there's a huge flavor difference? I, I always feel like it's not as good when it's not the right color. Am I wrong?
3: It depends. I, that's not terrible. I like break off a piece and chew on it to see wow. what the flavor is like. I like scratch a little part. But of they can like totally the bro- tell. I know. There is a lady, you know, I'm also the one who goes through all the ginger to make sure oh, right. that it's like got some, some punch to it. So I'm always scratching the bottom and tasting it. Do you like the,
0: <sighs> so like, do you, do you see okay, when I'm buying ginger? Sometimes I'm like, mm, Am I gonna get the big fibery one? Or am I gonna go for the younger one? And I know they're entirely different, but I use them kind of for the same applications. Me am too. I a terrible person? No, no, you're not bad. Yeah, I forgive you.
3: It, I do the same thing, but I, I try to go for, for uh, ginger that has like a kind of yellow, you know, flesh. And when I break it off, it has like some hairs sometimes, but it's like tougher to prep, right? Yeah. Yeah, and got to cross slice it real thin. Exactly. If you're gonna,
0: if it's gonna stay in, if it's gonna stay until the end, right? Yeah.
3: But then I also like go for the chubby ones that have few arms because then prep's a lot easier.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know what I like in your in your books? All of your books, when you specify uh, star and ease, you always specify the number of points so that if someone has one's broken in half, you're like, no, nope, no. Thank
3: you, thank you. So, as my copy editor was like. Just say how many star anise. And I'm like, no, no, no. You have never even cooked with it. <laughs> <laughs> you are not thinking of the home cook.
0: <laughs> yeah. 16 ro- robust points. That's
3: right. Not just little puny ones.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big ones. Well, actually, it's interesting. In the book, you go through a lot of that. At the beginning, you're like, yo, listen, like, because you're going to give the standard for people who are used to American cookbooks, like measurements, but you're like, this is what it really means. Because you're like, how are you going to, like, what's an onion? Right? What's an onion?
3: Right. We, we say that, a medium onion. What the hell does that look like? And yeah. then we're all staring at the onion bin at the market trying to pick out a medium onion. And sometimes a medium onion the size of a softball that day. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Medium onion to me has no no. Mean. Also, you, you go through garlic. You're like, P.S. When I say garlic, this is what I mean. That's the way to do it. Tell them what you mean. And really... All that stuff is fungible anyway. They're People are going to add however much garlic they want. That, that's very true.
3: But it's very true. But, you know, I want them to get, understand where my palate is and then they can do whatever they want. There, there's You can't ruin anything in that book.
0: Right. You know what's something I've never made? And when you're reading this book, like every, you're like, I got to make green onion oil. And then like, you'll you'll forget about it for a couple of minutes and you read more. And you're like, I need to make green onion oil. And then you go and it's like green onion oil, like green onion oil, I mean, the fish sauce, obviously, but green onion oil is like one of the stars of this book, and yeah. uh, and now I need to Now I need to have it, and you can just microwave it. Yeah. And yeah. how green does it get? It gets
3: pretty green, especially if you add a little baking soda.
0: Yeah, yeah. You uh, you mentioned that uh, you have a couple of recipes where you maintain the green yeah. uh, with baking soda. Yeah. Uh, you know what, Dennis? You know what I'm going to do. I'm gonna I'm gonna spin that in my spins all to get all the oil out, all the oil, all of it, because I don't like the waste.
3: Yeah, I know ingredients are costly these days.
0: Yeah, but now I want that green onion. And how much does the onion flavor just really permeate the oil? If is you it,
3: put a lot in, I yeah. I to put I, The it. other day, I also uh, added fresh herbs to it. Yeah? It was really lovely. Which herbs? Um, gar- uh, dill and cilantro. I had, yeah. you know, like you trim the bottoms. Yeah. <laughs> instead of like throwing away, I just chopped them up and threw it in there too.
0: I've had, um, the taste is okay, but I've had m- medium luck with color with, uh basil.
3: Oh yeah, basil just poops out. Yeah, It turns gray. It's yeah. like such you know, we want it to express itself and retain its its fresh beauty, yeah. but it's a it poops out when now, it's
0: cooked. Parsley. Bam! Oh yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: Boom! Yeah. Yeah. Green. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Mint also poops out too.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Mint, mint mint is like mint just let mint be what it's going to be. Don't yeah. try to force it to do something it doesn't want to do. Yeah. Although many people do successfully, just not me. Um <laughs> Okay, so a couple of questions. Pickled, your pickled mustard green. When I buy pickled mustard green, unfortunately, it doesn't come in brine. It comes vacuum packed in right. like individual vacuum packed. So you have a recipe for making it and a soup that uses the brine. But here's my question. Yours is part salt fermented and part, there's vinegar in it to begin with is, and sugar. Interesting because uh, you ever, you ever done, I eat a lot of sauerkraut, like a lot of sauerkraut. And so I'll make it, but I eat it too fast. I don't have storage to make enough sauerkraut for the amount of sauerkraut I eat, if that makes sense. Anyway, so I normally make it with regular European sauerkraut cabbage. You know what I mean? Uh, But once I made it with Napa, and it didn't taste right because Napa doesn't have as much sugar in it.
3: Yes, and Napa is a lot more watery, and it doesn't have the bite of European cabbage. Correct,
0: yeah. But, like, it tastes more different fermented than it does even fresh. Huh. Anyway, so I was w- interested in the sugar addition to the mustard greens, and I was interested in vinegar and salt for the fermentation. And wh- is that traditional or is that something that, like, you're adding to it? Or
3: That's a, a recipe um, that is from my mom and and that just kind of kickstarts the process. Some people like traditionally you would take the the uh mustard greens and they're not regular mustard greens that what we think of as the very thin curly leafed. It's veiny. Yeah, yeah it's like it's it's got this beautiful like thick midrib um and very frilly um It's almost like a skirt, a lovely woman's skirt and a gown, but um, it's got this bite to it. And traditionally, people would let the greens sit outside and dry. And this particular method, I think, kind of speeds that up a little bit. And that ratio is something that my mom has used for decades. And it really works out. And the thing is that you can control that bite. It kind of at the beginning, nothing seems to be happening. And then all of a sudden it gets really funky as it sits around. And I, I it's a combination of all of those things. You know, Dave, I don't really know the, the chemical reactions, <laughs> but but it works. Yeah. And, and I've seen like other recipes, you know, take a little bit longer and be a little fussier. But um, this is something that has really, really worked out um, for her. And I add a little bit of MSG to it sometimes because, you know, those products that you're talking about that you're buying, um, they oftentimes contain a little bit of a flavor enhancer in them. They're coming in from Thailand and, and probably uh, China.
0: Yeah, I think they also... There's a preservative in them, I think. There is. It, yes. That's noticeable.
3: Yes. And it's kind of tastes tinny or yeah, metallic-y yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though
0: it's in vac plaque, uh, yeah. plastic. No, no, yeah, no I yeah. totally
3: agree. So yeah. you make it at home. And, and yeah, the brine is really lovely. And I don't like to waste brine. I like to use it whenever
0: I can. Right, but so... So the salt level. I'm wondering whether you add the vinegar. Or the salt level is like it's not. It's, zero, it's mild. But it's it's mild. mild.
3: It's very mild because
0: you're using in this soup. You're using it in a soup. So I was like, oh, so like, yeah.
3: No, but I was surprised when she gave me that recipe how mild that brine was. I was like, really, mom? And she goes, yeah, because the mustard greens will just take care of itself.
0: Well, the vinegar must protect it a little bit so that, like, uh, you know, no weird bacteria can kickstart into it yes or something correct. like this. Correct. You know what I
3: mean? Yeah, and. And it's the kind of thing where I feel like it's age-old wisdom cooking. And she's like 89 now. You know, she's like, this is how I do it. Yeah. I'm like, why? She goes, this is just how we do it.
0: Well, like, me and the ladies. Except you changed her on one thing. Uh, we're going to run out of time. Quinn has one question, but let's talk about... First of all, let's talk about these uh, steamed uh, rice rolls. Where The hack. Yeah. Okay. I mean, because that is like... I, I've only ever tried to make uh, the Hong Kong style. Yes, the uh, Chong Fun. Yeah. And... Uh, it sucks. Yeah. Making it sucks. So for those of you who don't know, you make a a rice batter, you cast it onto like a fabric, and you steam the fabric, and then you pray it releases from the fabric, and you're burning yourself, and you don't have a steamer that big. Everything sucks. Everything's bad, right? Uh, I tried it only one time. Now, Uh, I'm sure it's just as hard to make the Vietnamese version.
3: It is. It's even harder because they're they're thinner. So banh cuon, steamed rice uh, rolls, are are done with a thinner batter and um, steamed traditionally over uh, fabric, or you can do it in a skillet. But they're just a pain in the ass. And you can eat them faster than you can make them. Oh, yeah. That's the thing.
0: This is why you go to a restaurant.
3: Exactly. Or yeah. you have someone like your your mother or grandmother or auntie make them. But this particular method uh, it requires rice paper, like sturdy rice paper that you purposefully over soak, my friends, so that they kind of become like these, it's almost like jellyfish or pieces of tissues that are floating in water. Then you fill them and then you very quickly steam them or microwave them. I steam them because you can control the heat a little bit better. And then all of a sudden you have the rice rolls. But key, key, you don't use the
0: hot water for the over. No,
3: no, it is room temperature water and just let it sit there for like eight to 10 minutes. And you do like I, I do smaller quantities of, you know, like eight rice papers at a time in a large pan. And um, it's the only time where I would over-soak rice paper because I was telling people, don't over-soak rice paper yeah, yeah. because then they'll never stick and you, it,
0: they won't seal for your rolls. You're like, just touch the water. Just yeah, touch yeah, it.
3: Yeah, yeah, just like dunk and pull.
0: Yeah. Or what about those pizza things where you're not even? You're just like painting water right? on the one side.
3: And sandwiching the, the rice paper together. I'm so glad you picked up on this because like, it's like, you know, these are weird hacks that you could do with rice paper that you never thought of.
0: Well, important, though, why don't you describe which brands to buy, which brands not to buy, and why it matters.
3: I am a Three Ladies and Bamboo Tree uh, Foucault brand rice paper. Those are, are, they're sturdier. They're made of tapioca and rice, and they tend to be a little thicker. So if you go with all tapioca rice paper, and I, I just want you all to know, rice paper used to be made of all rice but now it's tapioca and rice because then you don't require like super hot water to rehydrate them. But, um, and sometimes there's more tapioca than rice listed, but you want like a certain sturdy thickness. Um, and that's going to allow you to roll up um, your um, uh, fresh goikung salad rolls easier. Um, but also, like, for there's a hack for oven frying imperial rolls because people don't want to
0: deep fry. I know you would. Uh, yeah. I know you would. But you yeah. have an air fryer. So you could uh, do these I, I, in the air fryer. It, I don't
3: believe. I,
0: I, I don't believe in the term air frying. Go back to terminology. Okay,
3: oven frying. Uh, what, what, what should we call like it? A,
0: like a like you know, a, yeah. you know, uh, hot I, air circulation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Forced convection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. force, forced, forced. air. Convection, yeah, 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 Like wind yeah. tunnel cooking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hot yeah. wind tunnel cooking. Because um, frying is frying. Frying's oil. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, uh, speaking of frying, you like? Do you think the result is the same? Here's the thing about like pan frying tofu. Isn't it actually just easier to deep fry tofu?
3: You know, sometimes it sticks. Have you ever noticed like you deep fry tofu, no matter what you do, they all kind of like
0: combine yeah, and, and they become like twins and yeah. you're like separating them? So, yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah. Right. So pan
3: frying is a little
0: easier. With your pan frying though, you're like, listen, if it sticks, pull it off, let it sit for a minute. It'll unstick. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Is, that, is that how you You're mellow about it. I am mellow because it's just food, you know? I would be aggressive and I would ruin it. Well, right,
3: because you'd be like prying them. But then in be, like get off the pen! Yeah. Get off the- in, in hot oil, they become Siamese twins, practically, yeah. very easily. They just gravitate towards each other and stick. Yeah. So, And, you know, people love deep fried food, but oftentimes they really don't want to deep fry at home.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I wish that I had not. But, uh, you know, just a couple of days ago on Sunday. But I know, you and it your It was fish. worth it, though. It was worth it. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, Quinn, let's get to the question we have yeah. on Patreon. What do we
2: got? Yeah, yeah. Okay, do you know... Of any more extensive resources on making Viet Jerky? Your blog has a recipe from long ago, but wondered if you might have an updated recipe or know of any books. The Viet Bo Beef Jerky has a moist, soft quality that's hard to replicate, but it's my favorite. Then there's also other styles like Kogala Chan. Have you made any of them and have any tips?
0: And which style of jerky do you recommend for the salad in the book?
3: I buy it. I buy beef jerky. You can, you know, you need so little that uh, if you can get to an Southeast Asian market and get, you know, Asian beef jerky, like Chinese, Vietnamese, that's great. And there are like beef jerky shops in little Saigon But the
0: sheeted soft ones.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, But I mean, you know, here, like if there's some, if you can bend them, it's, it's a little bit easier, you know. Um, because you're going to toss it in a salad You're not chewing on the, a whole piece of it So that your saliva can kind of soften the beef <laughs>
0: so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's
3: going, I, I have not uh, updated That beef jerky recipe But now I think I'm going to go home and, and
0: do it Just yeah. for, for you and your listeners Alright, please, please uh, Dennis, man, you didn't give us any of your amazing Bass Profundo, give us some of that voice Well, uh,
1: thanks for having me, Dave
0: Oh my um. god
1: I'm happy to come back anytime I think you you should come back
0: here. and just just you and then you know, you, you know Nastasia you gotta tell Phil maybe Dennis can replace Phil Bravo as our as our base our base voice of choice <laughs> I mean you know yeah, he also he also was a singer in uh yeah so he can he can do he maybe he can do the Grinch if Phil's not gonna do the Grinch this year I'm just saying call me oh my <laughs> I'm <God>. around <laughs> oh my god the voice is so good um well, who do we have next week, John? What's coming up? I don't remember Quinn. Who do uh, we got next
2: week? Uh, nobody next week actually. No tangent. Uh, Tuesday. No tangent. All right, Patreon. But we're gonna get to all of your questions the then. after the week after. We have um Abby Belingit, and she's a uh, Filipino American pastry chef with a new book.
0: Love it. Uh, all right now, since I have forty four seconds. In the, a lot of your stuff with the seaweed, that, where you're adding the seaweed for the umami, you are doing it cold. Yeah, uh, you don't ever try e- heating. You don't like to heat the kombu. I usually like the, to heat the kombu up to a certain certain level. I'm just curious about the choice.
3: No, sometimes I do. Um, I think like in one uh, recipe, I do uh, actually. I, I throw kombu into my uh, vegan noodle soup uh, broth right into the pressure cooker.
0: And, yeah, 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 that yeah. one. Right, but I mean, for like the fish sauce and whatnot.
3: Oh, yeah, no, because uh, it's,
0: you know, it's just so little in okay. the fish sauce. And now I have to try this freaking rice batter from That the, the crepe. Oh, God, the- yes, you do
3: and soak your own rice and then grind it, babe, because you will I do it all di- all the three ways as I have variations that are attested. I
0: watched I watched the videos. I was like, "Oh my god, so good. It's me, like a fried rice taco." Let me ask you a question though. In the book, obviously, you're trying to be a little less profligate with the oil. Is it easier with more oil or harder with more oil? Um
3: it is it doesn't really We've got really good skillets. You use like a nice, you know, carbon steel skillet I'm good but add more oil Dave because I know you're an oil man yeah
0: baby you know what I want I want one of those little six inch pans with a long handle
3: oh my god we'll set you up on the sidewalk (laughs) you got a side business (laughs) side hustle for you and your kids it will pay for
0: their college Uh, yeah right Uh, (laughs) listen Andrea thanks for coming on the book Evergreen Vietnamese is available now get it from Kitchen Arts and Letters with a Patreon discount and a signed copy if they're still available uh, thanks for being on, Dennis, as well. Uh, come back with your amazing voice, and we'll talk about Deondi, amazing restaurant here in New York City. I appreciate it. Cooking issues.